Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Exciting evening. The president has announced today that but for food prices, but for home heating prices, but for electricity prices, the economy is doing swell. So if you eat and you need to have some heat during the winter, not so good. Now, 7.1% inflation. President says his economic plan is working. It's interesting. It's the Fed with the interest rates going through the roof and the impact that's having. But it's not over. But that's not what I want to start off with, really. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what we do about this. I really don't. Mitch McConnell is celebrating the fact that he and Chuck Schumer are close to a massive spending bill. An omnibus bill. I should call it an ominous bill. Do you know what's in it? I don't know what's in it. Does anyone know what's in it? No, other than a handful of senators and staffers. Any Republican senator who supports this is a fraud. Any Republican senator who supports this has no interest in representing the people that they claim to represent, particularly if they're newly elected. What Mitch McConnell's trying to do is get a deal done on a bill that will spend trillions of dollars before the Republican majority takes over in the House. Because he doesn't want to have to confront real conservative fiscal members 
of the House of Representatives. There are so few now in the Senate. There's Mike Lee, you know, Cruz, Rand Paul, Rubio, a handful, but not many. And what McConnell's doing without any hearings, without any committee input, without any input from the American people, is he's trying to push this, railroad this through. Whether he succeeds or not, we don't know, but he says they're very close. And you have absolutely no say in it because you have no idea what's going on. None of us do. I don't either. And they'll get 24 or 48 hours. It'll be a fait accompli. Because all you need is a handful of repubics to go along with the Marxists and then it's over. And of course, that's why McConnell spent $9 million on Lisa Murkowski in Alaska. And he can count on Romney, Collins, the usual crowd. And the uh, pallbearers that stand behind him when he does these press conferences. So here's McConnell today in front of a microphone with the Paul Barra standing behind him. Cut six, go. And with regard to funding the government, I think we're very close uh, to getting... Now listen to this guy. He's absolutely no reason why we couldn't take the Senate, is he? Sounds like a homeless guy. Throw on a raincoat, send him out on the corner, and God knows what you'll get. Start over again, please. Cut six, go. And with regard to funding the government, Uh, I think we're very close uh, to getting an omnibus appropriation bill that would be, I think, broadly appealing. He thinks broadly appealing because the other members, other than the pallbearer standing behind him, have no idea what the hell's in it. I think it'll be broadly appealing. We're 40-odd line. It's like Pelosi, remember the late famous Nancy Pelosi, remember her? The one that eats nails for dinner? Or is it breakfast? Anyway, uh, remember when she said we have to pass the Obamacare bill to find out what's in it? Well, that's pretty much what we're talking about here. Go ahead. Defense number of the NDAA without having to pay a bonus above what President Biden asked for uh, for domestic priorities of the Democrats. Why would they accept that? <clears throat> well, they over, according to our calculations, spent about $700 billion in the two reconciliation bills earlier this Congress on their domestic priorities. So the priority now is to get defense adequately funded. He's so charismatic, Mr. Producer. He just draws in the public. He's such a leader, such a statesman. No wonder he's the longest-serving Republican leader in the Senate in the history of the United States. He's just bubbling over with positivity, with intrigue, with rationality, with knowledge. But he's not done, ladies and gentlemen. Now he's going to go on the attack. The attack against Trump and the Tea Party. Cut seven, go. We ended up having a candidate quality time. Anybody remember who mentioned that back in August? Look at Arizona. It must have been you, Mitch. Remember I said we don't have good candidates. Right before the election, I I screwed these guys over. 
I'm the Nostradamus of the Senate. I told you they're not good enough. I... Of course, all the rhinos always win. Have you noticed? I haven't noticed that of you. The rhinos always win, do they? Really? They get their asses kicked all the time. You may have heard of a couple running for president. One, I think, was named McCain. One, I think, was named Romney. Remember those guys? Go ahead. New Hampshire. In a challenging situation in Georgia as well. We did, by we, I mean the Senate Leadership Fund, did intervene in two primaries, in Alabama and in Missouri. And I do think we... And because we intervened, we won, you see. So when we win, I take the credit. When we lose, it's the fault of the conservatives. They don't have very good candidates. Now let's stop for a minute. Look at some of these a-hole Republicans in the Senate who sell us out day in and day out. Are these good senators, let alone candidates? They're a disgrace. Is this the best the Republican Party can do? So why would, why would you vote for Republican senators when you have a so-called leader like this? He seems to think that if you support rhinos, they're going to get elected. It's not true. It's not true. That's why he was for Gerald Ford against Ronald Reagan. I told you, said in August that the quality of the candidates weren't very good. Really? And look at the quality of his so-called leadership. Go ahead. Opportunity to relearn one more time. You have to have quality candidates to win. You know, uh, you're an arrogant SOB. You really are. They, they, yeah, that Fetterman was a quality candidate. That Warnock was a quality candidate. That Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, those were quality candidates. Let me tell you the difference. The Democrats know how to fire up their base. The Democrats know how to get out the vote. And the Democrats, more importantly, know how to count the vote. Mitch McConnell's been a quote-unquote Republican leader for 15 years, and he hasn't learned any of it. That's number one. Number two, the guy does not motivate anybody. He doesn't have a legislative agenda to this moment. He didn't have a legislative agenda during the campaign. He's so awful. He's so despised by Republicans. Number one on the list, that he can't even go into these states and campaign. Schumer does. They talk about Biden not campaigning for Democrats. McConnell campaigns for fewer Republicans than Biden did for Democrats. They talk about quality candidates. Well, where are all the quality Republicans under McConnell? Murkowski? Murkowski's a quality candidate? Seriously? Who are the other quality candidates that McConnell put up? That loser in Colorado? There was a quality candidate. Where are the other quality candidates? This guy's not up to the battle. He's not up to persuading the American people. He can barely speak. He's not up to any of it. And he's certainly not up to helping save the country. That he cannot do. So now he's trashing the Tea Party. We went through this in 2010, 2012, he says. Christine O'Donnell, Sharon Angle. Sharon Angle almost won. Todd Akin. Todd Akin was never going anywhere. Richard Murdoch, he almost won. And they ran against tough tough opponents. Sharon Angle ran against Harry 
Reed. That wasn't ever going to be a shoe-in. And Richard Murdoch in an extremely difficult race against a Democrat incumbent. And now we've revisited this in 2022 all over again here. Well, that's what we've done here. Yeah, I'm trying to meet them on the 40-yard line. Yeah, I'm trying to get a omnibus, omnibus bill passed here. And the Republicans in the House actually want to roll in this thing. I'm working with Nancy. I'm working with Chuck. We're having a grand old time here. People want to see bipartisanship. But we can't get bipartisanship. Hopefully next cycle we'll have quality candidates everywhere and a better outcome. Now here's what this sleazeball knows, and I know it, and now you know it. And I was the first to say it on my Fox show, as well as behind this microphone. 23 Democrats are up in 2024, and 10 Republicans. We should be able to mop the floor with them. That's an enormously lopsided situation. So when he says, oh, quality candidates, and we'll be able to make a difference, then he knows, you know, I know, that obviously the Republicans should be able to take a majority at that point. But McConnell wants to decide who the senators are from the other states. Because McConnell knows that in order to hold on to power, that's what he needs. He wants to decide who the senators are from Alaska, are from Arizona, Now, McConnell had his try. What was her name again that ran twice, Mr. Bedusa, in Arizona? I forget her name. Oh, McSally. Martha McSally, nice enough person. She ran twice and she lost twice. That was McConnell's candidate. That's who McConnell pushed. That's who McConnell convinced Governor Ducey to appoint, even though she'd already lost. And what has McConnell done? in order to strengthen the voting system so the Democrats can't keep cheating. Not a damn thing. Schumer's out there with his his pack trying to influence the the voting systems in every state. McConnell could care less. Well, that makes a difference. Name one conservative McConnell backed. When they first ran. Rand Paul, he did not back Rand Paul. Ted Cruz, he did not back Ted Cruz. Mike Lee, he did not back Mike Lee. Mike Lee defeated his, his lieutenant, Bennett. Who else? Nobody. He didn't even back Rubio in Florida. I can go down the list of solid conservatives, not one of whom McConnell ever supported. Not one. So Mitch McConnell really wants the old country club. That's what he wants. And he's left of center. He is not a conservative, despite what National Review and the Wall Street Journal write, despite what the, what the idiotic nerds write at both of those uh, publications. Richard Murdoch was not Todd Aiken. Sharon Angle was not Christine O'Donnell. But if McConnell had had his way, the most liberal Republican in the House of Representatives by far would have been a senator would have been a senator. But that's okay by McConnell, because he's a liberal, which is exactly why he's now negotiating with the Democrats and trying to bypass the Republican majority in the House, and he has nothing but disrespect for the voter. Nothing but disrespect. 
The fact is, it may be a thin majority, but people did vote to put the Republicans in charge and fire Pelosi. So why is he now relying on Pelosi to get his spending deal done? Well, now we're in a minority. Hey, you know, I said these candidates were probably a minority in the Senate. You got to meet them on the 40. This guy is a disgrace. He's pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. And he owns the Washington, D.C. media. All of it. Hook, line, and sinker. They love him. Because he's a fraud. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, our friends at Hillsdale College wish you and yours a happy and blessed Christmas and a healthy and prosperous New Year. Since Hillsdale's founding in 1844, it's taught its students by precept and example the teachings and practices of the Christian faith. The college continues the mission in its classrooms and nationwide through its educational outreach efforts. So this Christmas season, my friends at Hillsdale want to thank you, dear listener, for your kindness toward the college. They prepared a special video featuring their sacred music choir singing O Little Town of Bethlehem in their beautiful Christ Chapel at the heart of the campus. When you visit hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, that's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, you can see and hear the choir and view many other free resources to help you celebrate the season. I promise it'll be uplifting and inspiring for you and your family. That's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas. When's the last time you saw McConnell on with me? Never. When's the last time you saw McConnell on with Hannity? Never. Tucker? Never. Ingram? Never. Because, you see, he doesn't want to debate. In 2010, the year of the Tea Party, not only did the Republicans win 63 seats, they got six more Senate seats than they had in 2008, in 2010. Still not enough for a majority, but the hole was very deep that the Republicans had created for themselves in the Bush years. We lost the whole Congress in 2006 when McConnell had his way, when the Bushes had their way, when they all had their way. And in 2010, the year he complains about, the Republicans picked up six seats in the Senate it was 51 to 47 in the Senate, and he's whining that they didn't take three, four, five more seats for a total of 10 or 12, which is unheard of. And they won 63 seats in the House. And he's whining about conservatives in the Tea Party. Folks, our friends at Hillsdale College wish you and yours a happy and blessed Christmas and a healthy and prosperous New Year. Since Hillsdale's founding in 1844, it's taught its students by precept and example the teachings and practices of the Christian faith. The college continues the mission in its classrooms and nationwide through its educational outreach efforts. So this Christmas season, my friends at Hillsdale want to thank you, dear listener, for your kindness toward the college. They prepared a special video featuring their sacred music choir singing O Little Town of Bethlehem in their beautiful Christ Chapel at the heart of the campus. When you visit hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, that's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, you can see and hear the choir and view many other free resources 
to help you celebrate the season. I promise it'll be uplifting and inspiring for you and your family. That's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas. They can clone the others, but there's only one. Mark Levin, and you can call him at 877-381-3811. I want you to listen to what a scoundrel and liar Mitch McConnell is. Prior to the 2010 election that he's whining about today, and there's not a single reporter there with enough intelligence or knowledge to confront him, which is why he'll never come on this show. So I've given up on him. I want you to understand that was the Tea Party year, and many of you know this, you were active in it. The Democrats had 57 seats. The Republicans had 41. After 2010... The Democrats had 51 seats, and the Republicans have 47. The Republicans picked up six seats, and 2.2 million more Republicans voted than Democrats. So the Republicans won 24 seats, the Democrats won 13, and Mitch McConnell's out there attacking individuals who cannot even defend himself. Sharon Angle was running against Harry Reid, had a very difficult race, came within five percentage points of beating her and has done nothing but trashed her for the last 10 years. Murdoch, who was running in Indiana, was running against a very difficult candidate who'd been there for years and years and years and did a very good job. But it was an uphill race, so he trashes him. Because that's what McConnell does. Meanwhile, McSally loses twice. This O'Day loses in Colorado. And if I had the time and the desire, I could go through all the entire list of all these so-called winnable Republicans who would win throughout the country, right? Because we all know that when it was 57 Democrats to 41 Republicans, we conservatives were in charge, weren't we? No, we weren't. Now, McConnell didn't back Cruz. McConnell didn't back Rand Paul. McConnell didn't back Rubio. McConnell didn't back Mike Lee. And I can go on and on and on. These are the superstars of the conservative movement. Meanwhile, he backs Murkowski. And in Delaware, he can trash O'Donnell all he wants. He backed a candidate who was the most left-wing Republican imaginable for the U.S. Senate. It's what he did. And now he's busy trying to... And by the way, and by the way, he's backed other candidates like Mark Kirk in Illinois, defeated. Some of these races are very tough. They're tough states for Republicans. They're very tough. But McConnell wasn't able to crack Arizona with McSally twice. And so he attacks, he attacks masters. Pennsylvania is a very, very tough state, so now he's attacking Oz. Georgia, McConnell had both of his candidates running two years ago. You remember that, Mr. Producer? Both of his candidates ran, and both of them lost. If we just had quality candidates, don't you know? My good friend Mike Lee's with us. He just won re-election. Mike Lee, I want to ask you, not put you in the hot spot with this, but 
really? An omnibus bill that, that McConnell is negotiating with Schumer, cutting out the vast majority of the Republican senators he supposedly leads, trying to get this done with him and Nancy Pelosi before the Republicans take over in the House in defiance of the last election? Is this not unbelievable? It's like deja vu all over again. I, I'd call it unbelievable, but I, I, I've seen this movie before enough times to know what happens as we approach Christmas. Something terrible happens where the, uh, a small handful of, of leaders in Congress get together and they write a spending bill in secret behind closed doors. I mean, a very small number. We're talking like four or five members of Congress write it. And they, they hold on to it until the last minute, making sure that we have some artificially imposed spending deadline occurring mid-December, as this week they said it at December 16th. Then they come along, and mark my words, Mark, this will happen next. They'll come along and move the spending deadline back a week to take it to the 23rd. You see, they want it as close to Christmas as they can get it so that they can capitalize on the fact that members of Congress are worried about a shutdown. They're worried about their constituents who are worried about a shutdown. And they're also worried about getting home so that they can spend the holidays with their families. This is a coercive tool that they use in order to trick people into voting for legislation they haven't seen, they haven't read, that has never seen the light of day. It'll be two or 3,000 pages long. It'll spend $1.5, $1.6, $1.7 trillion. And it will not be subject to any kind of scrutiny or amendment. And this is how they do it. So that's why I went to the floor today, uh, along with a few of my colleagues, Ron Johnson from Wisconsin, Rick Scott from Florida, and Mike Braun from Indiana. And I offered up a bill I've written, a continuing resolution that will keep the government funded for a few weeks, keep it funded until after the new Congress comes in, allowing the Republican-controlled House leave its mark on this so that we don't have to continue enacting the Pelosi, Schumer, Biden agenda. The Democrats objected to it, said, well, we can't have that because we're negotiating. Well, it's nonsense. This wouldn't have precluded that negotiation. But mark my words, what comes next is they'll come to the floor and they'll try to seek a short-term spending bill to carry this out for another week, not because they want to avoid the threat of a shutdown, but because they want to enhance it. They want to increase it. They want to make it as scary as possible. And this is manipulative. They need to be called out on that. This is wrong. We shouldn't be doing this. And the same Republicans who are supposed to be these stellar Republicans, quality candidates, they vote for it every damn budget cycle. They do the same thing over and over again, don't they, Senator? Some of them do. Some of them do. A lot of them do. But there are a growing number who have had enough with this and refuse to put up with it. And they push back and, and they say no. And, you know, the more people hear about the problems with it, the more they learn about the actual bill, uh, they're, they're uh, less inclined to go along with it. And the more they stop and think about the fact that this is an invented timeline, a contrived deadline put in place for this very reason. The more people who figure that out as they figure it out, the more people are opposing it. And they're realizing that we do have a choice. You know, Mark, since 1954, the control of the House has switched from one party to the other exactly five times. That's not very often. And yet in none of those times 
in, in modern history, none of those times has Congress come through and enacted a sweeping omnibus spending bill to fund the government with the outgoing party's uh, policy objectives in mind for the in, entirety of uh, the, the balance of the fiscal year to follow. It doesn't happen, and it shouldn't happen here. That's why this one is a little bit different. Even though it's the same movie that we've seen over and over again, this one's even more inexcusable because we've got a Republican Congress coming in. We've added about $4 trillion to our debt just in the last two years alone. It's causing sweeping, rampant inflation. And all these guys can think about is how to pass another spending bill that's too big, that's too expensive, that no one's read, and that's a problem. And then what comes behind this, Senator, the demand that that the uh, debt limit be raised so you have no input, the vast majority of senators, no input in the spending side, and then the guns held to your head and say, we must raise the debt ceiling or the nation will go bankrupt and the full faith and credit clause of the Constitution will be honored. First of all, this has nothing to do with the full faith and credit clause of the Constitution. That applies to the states. That's number one. Number two, in terms of shutting down the government, when Paul Ryan was an honorable and straight guy on this program, he said they never shut down the government. 83% of the government keeps trucking along. 17% is shut down. Social Security, Medicare, Veterans Assistance, and a bunch of other stuff are specifically excluded by statute. They keep taking in $320 billion or more every single month. So they play this game again to scare the American people. So the politicians who had no say in the spending are now told they have to increase the debt ceiling. Do I have that about right? Yes. Yes, you have that exactly right. And we're told every time we approach the debt ceiling, oh, we don't actually get to fight on this. We don't actually get to even discuss this. We are compelled to just increase it by whatever uh, amount we decide, or in some cases just suspend it entirely for a certain period of time. You have no choice but to do that because these decisions have already been made when Congress has passed spending bills. And so, yeah, it, this is this is the decision that they will later claim precludes us from fighting on the debt ceiling. And by the way, Mark, we still have no absolute assurance, no way of knowing that they won't throw in a debt ceiling increase or suspension in connection with the spending bill. Mm -hmm. And of course, with a massive bill like this, not only do our representatives in the Senate and in the House have no idea what's going on right up to 24, 36, 48 hours beforehand. But we, the people, don't have the foggiest idea what's going on. There have been subcommittees, committee hearings, appropriate press uh, coverage. As of today, nothing's been shared with you, has it? No, nothing's been shared with me. Nothing's been shared with all but about, uh, I don't know, two or three members of the House and two or three members of the Senate. And in fact, they will tell you they still don't have a deal. And yet, magically, mysteriously, miraculously, they claim that they know almost to the moment when they will have an agreement and they'll be able to pass it. Because they told us today, we think that uh, by the 22nd, uh, by the end of the day, on the 22nd of December, we will have a deal and we will then have it passed. I don't know how they know that, is they don't even have a deal yet. They also say, if we don't have a deal by then, then, then we'll pass 
a, a short-term spending bill to take us into the next Congress. Well, if that's a good idea then, why not do that now so that we can avoid scaring the American people to death and so that we can avoid coercing the people's elected lawmakers into doing this? And you're right, Mark, the, the biggest fraud, the biggest disservice in all of this is that the American people are locked out of the process. They're going to have to spend, they're going to have to pay for this. They're the ones who are stuck with the ever encroaching federal government and the rampant inflation that it's causing with families in Utah paying $1,000 a month, every month for their basic monthly expenses compared to the day that Joe Biden took office. They're the ones suffering through this and they don't even get the chance to see it and talk to their lawmakers about how they feel about it before it's time to vote. Mike Lee, let me just say this too. It would be the same if the Republicans controlled the majority with the same leadership. You know how I know? Because that's exactly what they did. Same practices, same process, massive spending bills. That's what they did. And that's why I think guys like the senator from Indiana uh, and others are saying, wait, 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 I, ca- I, can't, I can't do this. That's why Tom Coburn said enough. This system is a disaster. I got to get out of here. And he joined the Convention of States movement. He said, we can't fix this. It's not going to get fixed. I want to thank you for fighting, Mike Lee. Keep it up, and we will continue to uh, bring you on to discuss this, if you don't mind. Oh, I'd, I'd love to, Mark. And just re- remind your listeners, they can't do any of this without Republican votes. If we don't give them at least 10 Republican votes, along with all 50 Democrats, they can't pass any of this. So right. people should communicate. If, they, if they've got concerns, as you and I do, they should express that. And if they, they don't want this to happen... They should insist on a, on a continuing resolution, a short-term spending bill that takes us into the new Congress. Not just a week, but into the new Congress. That's what we need. All right, Mike Lee. Have a wonderful Christmas, my brother. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, our friends at Hillsdale College wish you and yours a happy and blessed Christmas and a healthy and prosperous new year. Since Hillsdale's founding in 1844, it's taught its students by precept and example the teachings and practices of the Christian faith. The college continues the mission in its classrooms and nationwide through its educational outreach efforts. So this Christmas season, my friends at Hillsdale want to thank you, dear listener, for your kindness toward the college. They prepared a special video featuring their sacred music choir singing, O Little Town of Bethlehem, in their beautiful Christ Chapel at the heart of the campus. When you visit hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, that's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, you can see and hear the choir and view many other free resources to help you celebrate the season. I promise it'll be uplifting and inspiring for you and your family. That's hillsdale.edu slash Christmas. Try to spend time on matters that affect your life. This affects your life because they stick all kinds of things in these bills. They're driving up the debt to unbelievable levels, utterly irresponsible. This generation of politicians in Washington, D.C., they're going to destroy the future for your children and grandchildren and generations yet born, and they don't give a damn. They just think they can print money and print money and print money and destroy our fossil fuel system destroy our industries and what's the big deal 
Federal deficit widened to a record $249 billion last month. That's one month. One month. The federal government spent $501 billion last month, a $28 billion increase to a record high while tax revenue dropped. Yeah, why? Gee, I wonder. I mean, we have over th- we have $31.5 trillion in debt. And now the interest on that is $900 billion a year. Almost a trillion dollars. How the hell are we going to get out of this? By cutting deals with the Democrats to make sure other senators... You know, th- this is the thing. You got a guy like McConnell. He goes up behind a microphone. He says that we didn't have quality candidates. While he, with his Republicans, are destroying this country along with the Democrats. They're not taking them on. They're not fighting for our priorities. And you heard... Mike Lee. They have to have 10 Republicans to get this over the finish line, and he knows he has 10 Republicans. How? He bought and paid for them. That's why he raises all that money. Those are the good Republicans, don't you know? The electable Republicans. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. Now, I hope you will really focus in on what I'm about to discuss. Wire fraud. Money laundering. Defrauding investors. Fraudulent record keeping. Sam Bankman Freed. Hmm. FTX. Billions and billions of dollars missing. Wire fraud, money laundering, defrauding investors, fraudulent record keeping. Does that not sound like the federal government to you? 85% of the COVID money didn't go where it was supposed to go. It went to the teachers' unions instead. The GAO, the General Accountability Office, is constantly releasing reports every single year about the amount of money, typically a quarter of a trillion dollars, that is gone, waste, fraud, and abuse, every year. How about unfunded liabilities? Are those not Ponzi schemes? Those of us who've paid a fortune into Social Security, I'm 65 now, and those of you who are paying into it and are much younger, do you understand now they turned what was an insurance program into a government Ponzi scheme? There's no money in the trust fund. All the money comes from general operating funds. The people paying into Social Security now are paying the people who paid into it before because they stole all of our money 
and spend it on their political priorities. There are no trust funds. There are IOUs. Is that not a Ponzi scheme? It wasn't intended to be a Ponzi scheme, but is that not what our Congresses have done, successive Congress after Congress? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. The question is when is when will it, in fact, catch up with everybody? It's like, um, what's that kid, that game you play, uh, birthday parties and Christmas, it's the chair game, you know, uh, the musical chairs where they play the music. That's what it's called, I guess. Musical chairs. Yes. Well, that's what we're talking about. Which generation will get hit without the chair and fall on its ass? So it's always interesting to me. Sam Bankman-Fried is a crook. What he did wrong is he didn't run for office, become a senator or congressman, and do exactly the same thing except with our money as a nation, our tax dollars, and wrap it up in all kinds of wonderful promises. It's okay to run a Ponzi scheme. It's okay to defraud the taxpayer. It's okay to launder tax monies from one program to the next. It's okay to defraud using mail, using telephones, in terms of spending public monies. It's okay. And of course, we don't expect proper record keeping from any department of the federal government. It's just too big. But as long as you're doing it on behalf of the government, as long as you're serving the interests of the government, which are identical to the interests of the Democrat Party in these various Marxist movements, it's righteous. So there's righteous fraud and there's righteous Ponzi schemes. I'm sorry, it's just true. And so when I watch these tough prosecutors get behind a microphone and up, and they have these, you know, these, these sort of wing collars with heavy starch, with the power ties and the, and the nice crisp suits or dresses in the case of, well, whatever. Wagging their finger, saying this cannot take place, this will not take place, I think to myself. Sure it is. Because that's the nature of government. Fraud, laundering, fake record keeping, and on and on and on and on. And of course, Ponzi schemes. There was an uh, economics professor, I think from Boston University, or Boston College, who's given testimony in the past, and I cite him in, in one of my books, plunder and deceit and he testified several years back that the real debt the real debt of the federal government meaning the American taxpayer is 250 trillion dollars that's several years ago what number comes after a trillion I don't even know it doesn't even matter he said unfunded liabilities not just in Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid, but other 
federal pension plans, federal medical plans for, for bureaucrats. And he went on and on about all these unfunded liabilities. And he said, and that's where the government puts it, takes it off the books. So when we talk about $31 trillion, we're talking about the fiscal debt. The fiscal debt, not unfunded liabilities. Now, when a corporation is audited, they look at their unfunded liabilities, pension requirements down the road and so forth. When they file information with the Securities and Exchange Commission, they look at the same thing for public companies to see if they're in good shape or not. If you have a pension plan that's totally out of whack and you're going to go broke one day because, well, you don't print money in the basement, you could be prosecuted. But if you do it for the government, you do it so you can get reelected or elected. So there are preferred Ponzi schemes and criminal Ponzi schemes built on exactly the same concept. Except the bigger the Ponzi scheme and the more taxpayer money you use and wrap it up in a government program for this group or that group, you're celebrated. I want you to think about this. The way government works is the mob is in charge. The bureaucrats are in charge. The politicians are in charge. In the private sector, you have what's called a fiduciary responsibility. You have what's called basic accounting rules standards and procedures in the government you have all those things too but if you violate them it's no big deal depending on how and why you violate them in the government what matters is the mob how do you buy votes how do you sell votes they're not so much concerned about your accounting system they're not concerned about whether you're going to be flush with money or no money or how much debt's on the books or whatever. In fact, they come up with their own they come up with their own economic models. Cockamamie, but nonetheless. Modern monetary policy. Oh, it must be good. It's modern. You know what modern monetary policy is, Mr. Producer? Since the government is in charge of the currency, It doesn't matter how much paper you print. That's what Bernie Sanders argues for and other radical leftists. It doesn't matter. Because you don't have to actually pay back the government. All the government has to do is print money. Now you have to be an ignoramus, of course, to take that position. Because anybody who's graduated from fifth grade economics knows what happens when you do that. You're experiencing it right now. If you know a little bit of history, like the Weimar Republic, in other countries throughout history, even recent history, look at Venezuela, some of the others. You can't print your way into prosperity. It's irrational. There are certain rules of economics that are as ironclad of rules of, of physics or whatever. 
But that's what the Democrat Party is built on. So I watched this guy, this Sam Bankman Freed. He's a punk. He's a fraud. He has ripped off billions and billions from the American, or whomever, people, the public. But the biggest fraud of them all, the biggest Ponzi schemes of them all, the biggest laundering operation of them all, the biggest record-keeping farce of them all is Washington, D.C. Is the federal government. And who's going to prosecute them? Nobody. And it's not just the Democrats. It's Mitch McConnell and his mighty band of Republicans. One omnibus bill after another. One debt ceiling increase after another. One massive emergency spending bill after another. I want to remind you of those 19 Republicans led by McConnell who voted for infrastructure bill. Right, right, infrastructure. Which means anything the Democrats wanted to mean. And this isn't a mistake. It's not because they're bamboozled. McConnell's been around a long time. It's because this is what he wants to do. Then he trashes Trump today, trashes conservatives, trashes the Tea Party. It's really quite appalling. I'll be right back. Mark in. Tired of overpaying woke wireless companies? How about this? Get talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Yes, on the same network, the same towers, with the same coverage as the other guys, but for half the price. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Hallelujah. Friends, this is great news. You can start saving today without having to sacrifice on coverage. How do I know? I'm a customer. Plus, listen to all the other benefits you get. A U.S.-based customer service team to make your switch even easier. You're supporting a veteran-owned business. And here's the best part. When you go to puretalk.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST, you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's right. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, podcast, and you can be switched over in as little as 10 minutes. Switch to a company that shares your values. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, podcast, to save 50% off your first month. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Let Let me explain... The difference between somebody who's a statesman, who puts principle before votes, and eventually the votes will come. That's not McConnell. McConnell puts the votes before principle, and often the votes don't come. When Ronald Reagan decided to run in the Republican primary for president, I'm not talking about 1968. I'm talking about 1976. Was he a poor candidate? He's running against a sitting president who had not been elected but had been selected. He was said to be an extremist. They used to attack him for his intelligence. He was an extraordinarily intelligent man and very well read, but it didn't matter. They mocked him as an actor. They claimed he was out of the Republican mainstream. 
Mitch McConnell was on that side with Gerald Ford. Gerald Ford would go on to lose to Jimmy Carter. Reagan decided to run again. And among others, he faced George H.W. Bush, Bob Dole, John Anderson, the Republican establishment. Again, we were told Reagan couldn't win. Reagan couldn't win. The people were afraid of him. He was not a high-quality candidate. And again, McConnell was on the wrong side. Karl Rove was on the wrong side. All these people you're familiar with were on the wrong side. Well, Reagan almost won in 76, and he did win in 80. And then he went on to win a massive landslide in terms of the popular vote and the electoral college vote. And he won a second massive landslide in 1984 for re-election in the popular vote and the electoral college vote. If Reagan hadn't won, the Soviet Union wouldn't have been destroyed. If Reagan hadn't won, there wouldn't have been tax cuts, which had the greatest economic growth in American history for a decade. The military would not have been built up. And I can go on and on about the great Reagan successes. None of them would have happened if the Republican establishment, Mitch McConnell, Karl Rove, and the others had had their way. And Reagan set the stage for Republican victory after Republican victory. But right away, when George W. Bush won his election on on Reagan's coattails, they went back to who they are. Big spending unimportant largely issues inarticulate and then Bill Clinton wins coming out of nowhere a nobody a nobody we can go down the list I think of Abraham Lincoln Abraham Lincoln got the nomination with a minority of support. It's a very difficult convention in 1860. But he pulled it off. I won't get into details. Maybe one day I will. But he barely got there. He was attacked. Just like Reagan was attacked. Just like Trump was attacked. Because they're independent thinkers. They said he didn't have what it takes. He was told to sue for peace. Meet the Confederacy halfway. Too much death. Too much mayhem. It wasn't worth it. It takes a statesman who believes in principles. If Mitch McConnell were in the Senate... prior to the Civil War. Senator from Kentucky. Would he have supported the Missouri Compromise? He says, meet them at the 40-yard line. 
Is there nothing worth putting everything on the line to win, to be victorious? We're an economic disaster with this debt. We're an immigration disaster with the open border. What goes on in our classrooms is a national disgrace, if not worse. Our military is being undermined with wokeism. Crime is going through the roof. The country's in decline. And this is the best we can do? Is that what Lincoln would say? Is that what Reagan would say? No, I don't think so. Now you know who Mitch McConnell is versus people who believe principle, persuasion. The votes will follow. You can't just buy votes with a lot of advertising. I'll be right back. Tired of overpaying woke wireless companies? How about this? Get talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Yes, on the same network, the same towers, with the same coverage as the other guys, but for half the price. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Hallelujah. Friends, this is great news. You can start saving today without having to sacrifice on coverage. How do I know? I'm a customer. Plus, listen to all the other benefits you get. A U.S.-based customer service team to make your switch even easier. You're supporting a veteran-owned business. And here's the best part. When you go to puretalk.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST, You'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's right. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, podcast, and you can be switched over in as little as 10 minutes. Switch to a company that shares your values. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, podcast, to save 50% off your first month. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. You're listening to Denali. The Great One. The Great One. And you can call in now. 877-381-3811. Joe Biden was patting himself on the back, like he always does, but this time he meant to, um, for the fantastic economy that we have. And yet, he has to be aware, as we all are, of this, Fox Business, Nearly 70% of Americans are struggling to pay grocery bills. Nearly 70% of Americans. Well, if you take food off the table and heat off the table and travel off the table and housing off the table, everything's going swimmingly. I mean, after all, they had a state dinner the other day and They were all eating lobster. Let them eat lobster. Assume they ate cake. Let them eat cake. More than two-thirds of Americans are having a hard time affording groceries as food costs continue to soar, according to new data. Retail technology platform Swiftly reported today that 69% of shoppers say they are struggling to pay their grocery bills after months of persistently sky-high inflation. And 83% currently rely on some form of coupons or loyalty program to put food on the table according to the true cost of a grocery shop survey. Now, I want you to think about this. This is the United States of America. 69% of food shoppers say they're struggling to pay their grocery bills. 
83% currently rely on some form of coupons or loyalty program. That's our fellow Americans. Maybe many of you. And Biden is doing a victory dance. And the media don't care because they're very wealthy. They don't hang out with people like you. They hang out with each other. A man shops for groceries on November 4, 2022 in Anchorage, Alaska. And they show a picture of this guy struggling to pay his grocery bills. Now, the study also pointed to shifts in consumer behavior. Some 74% of those surveyed said they changed their grocery shopping habits in the last year. 33% said they're now shopping in store more than in years past. The average cost of everyday essentials is elevated across the board this year. But the cost of groceries is even higher. In other words, the cost of eating. The Labor Department's latest consumer price index, which tracks the prices of a bevy of goods, including gasoline, grocery, and rent, shows prices rose an average of 7.7% on an annual basis in October, hovering near a four-decade high. But the cost of food at home soared 12.4% over the same month a year ago. Shouldn't that be the headline? What are you going to do without food? And parents need to feed their children. And most seniors are on fixed income. The cost of food soared 12.4%. 12.4%. This is the newest data we have. Some staple items rose by eye-popping amounts, with coffee up 14.8%. Cereal up by 16.9%. Eggs are up by a staggering 43%. That's Putin's fault, no doubt about that. And the 16.9%, that's Trump's fault. And the 14.8%, that's semi-fascist MAGA. That's their fault. Swiftly's analysis determined food costs are becoming too expensive for the average American and are only increasing due to record inflation and ongoing economic challenges. Simply put, they said food costs are too high. But the disconnect between Washington, D.C. and America's newsrooms and the American people is so broad, is so big, that they don't even lead with that tonight. They lead with inflation seems to be coming down just a little bit. It's at this remarkable 7.1, 7.7%. Excuse me. A year ago, it was like 2.3%. And then Biden says his plan is working. What plan? His spending, his debt, printing money. It's working. It's working. But food prices are through the It's working. Just be patient. Be patient. Be patient. You've been on the government dole your whole damn life. We've been paying for your food your entire career. You and your whole stupid family, you jerk. And I say that with all due respect, of which there's none. Of which there's none. So think about that. Now, think about this. 
how many news organizations do you know that have gone into grocery stores or supermarkets and done stories on people who are trying to afford to purchase groceries? Basic foods. I haven't seen any. Have you, Mr. Producer? I remember during the Reagan years, they were there all the time. It's as if they were uh, part of the union shop. But today, they don't dare. How about food kitchens? Do you see many of those, Mr. Producer? It's like they don't exist, right? How about food pantries that hand out canned food? You see those on TV? You don't see those. No food pantries? It's as if it's not happening. Because the media are corrupt. It's the American Pravda media. Never forget that. They're doing public relations for the Democrat Party and the iron fist of the state. That's all. This would be a massive issue under a Republican president. It would be day in and day out, night and day, 24-7, 365. They'd be banging away, pounding away. And they'd find a way to say it's racist, too, by the way. They'd find a way to say it hits minority neighborhoods worse, which it probably does, by the way. But that's what they would say. The Republican is racist. That they don't care about the little guy? They'd be exploiting this to the hill. While they're eating lobster at the state dinner with uh, Biden, of course. I think Joe Scarborough the other day said, I don't watch him get these clips. Nobody watches him. First of all, he has a face for radio. Uh, Me, of course, have a face for TV and a voice for radio. But then again, why should I brag? But he's got nothing. That said, except that bulbous nose of his, Mr. Producer. Have you noticed that, by the way? May I say that? I say what everybody thinks. He's got that W.C. Fields thing going. Very attractive. But anyway, so uh, if a Republican were president, the cameras would be everywhere. They'd be in every food store. You'd be seeing the whole thing. They'd be going to farmers to, and doing reports on how farmers are having difficulty, how truckers are having difficulty. They'd be up in New England or rural parts of New York and Pennsylvania on the cost of home heating oil and about how they have to ration it. You'd be hearing the whole thing. <coughs> They'd be down on the border about how, you know, Donald Trump is caging people. <laughs> and, of course, now we have millions coming into the country illegally And Joe Biden says he's too busy to even go down there. What do I need to see? I built my own wall. I know what a wall looks like. I put it around my home in Rehoboth. Wow. But they're the media. And just remember this, what Elon Musk has done. When we talk about the media, he's exposed them 100%. Two men, Trump and Elon Musk. And what Elon Musk has done is he shows you how they work behind the scenes. This is why they hate him. That's why they're not even reporting on it. What's going on or went on with old Twitter is going on today at the New York Times and the Washington Post. It's going on today at the CNN and MSNBC. It's going on today at NBC, ABC, and CBS. This is what they do. It's going on today with 60 Minutes. We'll meet the depressed. It's the same type of mindset 
It is one ideology. It is an ideology of the left. They use censorship. They use partisanship. They have phony rules. They character assassinate. They target people like Alinsky. That's what they do. And you see it all. It all is laid out there. It's all laid out there in this Twitter stuff. That's why it's so important. People think, well, I didn't learn anything new. Well, then you're stupid. But that's how they cover it up. That's why they're never going to do a story on food shortages, people can't affording food, afford food, or at least not on a regular basis. People suffering because they're too cold, they can't afford the price of heating oil, the rationing of heating oil, all that stuff. You haven't seen any reports on this, and yet it's going on. You haven't seen any newsreels on this from any cable show, as far as I know. Any news show. We'll get a story here and there. Usually it's from like a business uh, column, or business paper, or business magazine, or business report, like Fox Business. That's it. And yet it's more than business, it's cultural, right? It's what's taking place out there. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Tired of overpaying woke wireless companies? How about this? Get talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Yes, on the same network, the same towers, with the same coverage as the other guys, but for half the price. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Hallelujah. Friends, this is great news. You can start saving today without having to sacrifice on coverage. How do I know? I'm a customer. Plus, listen to all the other benefits you get. A U.S.-based customer service team to make your switch even easier. You're supporting a veteran-owned business. And here's the best part. When you go to puretalk.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST, You'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's right. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, podcast, and you can be switched over in as little as 10 minutes. Switch to a company that shares your values. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, podcast, to save 50% off your first month. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Mr. Producer, do we have a caller, an irregular caller, or do we only have regular caller? Only regular? Let's speak to one, shall we? Yeah. 8.70 a.m., the answer. I assume, Michael, you have a question. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm well, sir. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do for, uh, for the conservative side out there. But uh, just wanted to say how um, eloquently you put it when you were talking about Elon Musk. And basically what you did is, and what he did was lay out the battle plan that all the other outlets are using to um, attack conservatives. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, um, it's, it's, not, it's not limited to Twitter. It's happening at Facebook and Google and Instagram, YouTube. It's happening at all the media outlets. These are the same people. They're fungible. They move from one entity to another. And if you read these tweets, one of them said that they're 99% left. 99%. That doesn't leave a lot of room for people, does it? Not at all. Not at all. And and just one other thing, if you have, just real quick, isn't it interesting how um, when Bankman-Fried gets arrested today, right before 
he's supposedly going to testify that mm-hmm. Jennifer Granholm comes out with a great energy, great energy breakthrough. And, you know, if it was so great, why didn't the scientists at Lawrence Livermore, why wasn't the conference there where people could really answer the questions on that breakthrough? It's just mm-hmm. kind of and a... And this is something that the scientists have been working on for half a century or more. Uh, there and elsewhere. And so Joe Biden will find a way to take credit for it. It's his policies, don't you know? His policies. And which one? Uh, we don't answer that. You can go to the uh, Department of Energy to them. They'll, they'll answer the question. And so this guy takes uh, victory laps over and over and over again. We have people hungry in this country who can't afford groceries. We have people this winter who are not going to have the heating oil that they need or the electricity. And if they do, it's going to be a price that is unbelievable, unparalleled. We have shortages in this country. Anybody who walks into a food store can see that the shelves are not full. They're not full. And I could go on and on. You can get truckers calling this program telling you about the price of diesel, the price of home heating oil, uh, brownouts and blackouts that you you saw this summer. It's only going to get worse. And I can, you know, the fact of the matter is apparently half the country buys off on this thing. They think it's perfectly fine. I want to thank you for your call. Very, very fine call, my friend. I'll be right back. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. Folks, I need you to do something today. With aircraft prices surging and flights being canceled left and right, it's harder than ever for our wounded, ill, and injured service members to be with their loved ones on Christmas. And unless we do something right now, within the next two weeks, hundreds of wounded service members will be forced to be apart from their families on Christmas. Luke's Wings believes that every wounded warrior should be able to spend the holidays with their loved ones. Since 2008, they provided more than 14,000 airplane tickets, reuniting families with wounded warriors. This Christmas, please join me and help Luke's Wings reunite 500 wounded warriors with their families by making a tax-deductible donation at lukeswings.org today. Please don't wait. Donate right now. Airfare is rising fast, and these soldiers are running out of time. Please make a meaningful impact this Christmas. Bring a soldier and their family together. By donating today at lukeswings.org. That's lukeswings.org. Lukeswings.org. He's here. He's here. 
now broadcasting from the underground command post deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building we've once again made contact with our leader mark levin Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 Wow. My goodness, look at this, Mr. Producer. Look at this, America. Exclusive from Yahoo News. Yahoo! An Intel analyst tried to prevent the January 6th attack, but DHS failed to act. You see, this is the sort of stuff that should have been investigated rather than trying to set up the former president for charges. On December 20, 2020, a 21-year-old intelligence analyst went online to search for local Washington, D.C. fishing holes and stumbled upon the blueprint of a plot to storm the Capitol and execute members of Congress and law enforcement officers to prevent the certification of electoral votes to make Joe Biden the next president. I'm just reading the story as is. The domestic terrorism analyst with the Department of Homeland Security saw a link to a website where people, quote, actively at that moment were discussing the commission of acts of terroristic violence and the violent overthrow of the government of the United States. According to the analyst, written account later provided to investigators. There the analyst, quote, witnessed upwards of 500 pages worth of potential threats to national security, including people urging others and discussing how to smuggle legal weapons into the nation's capital and avoid detection by law enforcement. You know, it's interesting about this beyond what I'm reading, which is all very intriguing. This demonstrates that Donald Trump didn't organize anything. Anything. Because there's no link. There's nothing. Nothing. And if there was, this January 6th committee would have produced it already. It would have been leaked to the Washington Compost or the New York Slimes. There's nothing. So you got to create all this sort of circumstantial innuendo. So as I read this, keep that in mind. Here this guy comes across a treasure trove of information, but nothing. Now, that doesn't mean somebody doesn't, wow, Donald Trump said this time. That's irrelevant. Donald Trump didn't give any orders. He didn't speak in code. There's no written winking going on here. So there the analyst witnessed upwards of, and I'm quoting, 500 pages worth of potential threats to national security including people urging others and discussing how to smuggle illegal weapons into the nation's capital and avoid detection by law enforcement. The DHS intelligence analyst also saw, quote, discussion references of overthrowing the U.S. government by force. I wonder if that was Black Lives Matter or Antifa, but, well, it was me. Sparking a second civil war and veiled credible threats of violence toward other U.S. persons were perceived enemies, specifically members of Congress and other federal employees. Like so many Americans, I watched the events of January 6, 2021 transpire, shocked, scared, horrified. But for me, there was a deeper connection to the event. I was one of the DHS intelligence officials 
charged with trying to prevent that day's violence, the intelligent analyst wrote in a four-page letter provided to Inspector General investigators. Yahoo News obtained a copy of this letter and the unredacted version of the final Inspector General investigative report. They didn't obtain anything. It was leaked. Documenting the analyst's efforts and dozens of credible threats that DHS saw but did not act on at the time. So that's DHS and the FBI. What good are they? What started as a literal fishing expedition turned into a failed 16-day effort. They write, to sound the alarm and push the various parts of the DHS intelligence apparatus into action. The office created in the wake of 9-11 to share intel more broadly and prevent another catastrophic attack failed to share its intelligence ahead of the January 6th U.S. Capitol riot. Now, you know what's interesting about this, of course? Not only, well, let me put it to you this way. It was Donald Trump who suggested that up to 20,000 National Guardsmen be made available to Nancy Pelosi, to Mitch McConnell, to the mayor of Washington, D.C., and they rejected it. You know, McConnell's role in this has never really been explored. I'm in charge of Over those 16 days, this analyst and others inside DHS's Office of Intelligence and Analysis saw the plot unfold in excruciating detail. They watched as maps of the Capitol access tunnels were circulated online, along with tactical information about how to smuggle illegal weapons into D.C. and which radio frequencies to use for communication during the attack. Well, did they contact their local FBI, Mr. Producer? If the DHS wasn't listening, they saw threats to members of Congress and local D.C. and Capitol Police and operational plans for the attack. They saw online posts by people who said they had put their last will and testament in order and told their children they were going to Washington to defend the country and were willing and expecting to die for their cause. Of course, that didn't happen, except one poor lady was murdered in cold blood. Now, here's where the media kicks in. On January 6th, a mob of President Trump supporters, as well as white supremacists, Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, militia, and other violent extremists stormed the Capitol in an attempt to stop Congress from certifying Biden's win in the presidential election. You know, not a fire, not a not an, gun was fired. Now, I just read to you the lead-up to all this. Nobody was shot except a nonviolent protester who was in the Capitol building. In cold blood, she was killed. Nobody was stabbed. Nobody was slashed. Nobody else was shot. Nobody. The attack left more than 100 police officers injured and is tied to at least nine deaths. It's tied to nine deaths, Mr. Producer? including suicides. You know how many Border Patrol agents have committed suicide? Do you know it's becoming an out-of-control problem? Do you know how many police officers have committed suicide in our cities across America in this country? People in the military have committed suicide? This is the problem, this overreach, where they're trying tying these suicides 
Nine deaths now. Nine deaths tied to January 6th. That's a lie. There's one death directly tied to it. One. One of the protesters. And over 800 indictments have been issued, according to a recent Senate report. Yahoo News obtained the unredacted copy of a March 2022 DHS Officer of Inspector General report and underlying materials, including this letter that was written by the analyst. They're withholding the name of the analyst because that's what the media do. Why? It's unclear how many or if any of the people DHS tracked but did not report were directly involved in the attack and so forth and so on. So that's damnable when it comes to DHS. As the evidence piles up, the DHS, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the leadership of the Capitol Police, the leadership of the Metropolitan Police, the political leadership, Pelosi, McConnell, the mayor of Washington failed. If people saw this coming, they failed. Christopher Ray failed. And it was Trump. This is what will never make sense. It was Trump who offered the National Guard. How do you lead an insurrection? And then suggest that you'll call in the military, armed military, to protect the people in the building. It is never brought up. Never brought up. And those eyewitness accounts are in the record. They're in the record at the Department of Defense and elsewhere. So the question is, why isn't Nancy Pelosi under investigation? Or Mitch McConnell? Or the mayor of D.C.? Why is that? I'll be right back. Mark in. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question. Did you know withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government. And they report any behavior they think is suspicious. It's true. And I was shocked when I read this secret war on cash from Swiss America. The new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution, against all freedom-loving Americans. So you need to read The War on Cash. Get your free copy by calling 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. Now, this war on cash is growing daily and also includes all forms of digital money. Please get and read The Secret War on Cash free to my listeners by calling now, 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. Daily Mail, the ticking border time bomb. 1,000 migrants in the largest caravan in history crosses the Rio Grande into El Paso with huge numbers being released onto the streets just nine days until Title 42 ends. Possibly the largest single caravan so far to cross in the United States from Mexico. People from Cuba, Venezuela, Nicaragua. By the way, those are all communist regimes. 
because they're so fantastic. How about we trade a thousand of these migrants for one Bernie Sanders? Would you agree with that, Mr. Dude? I would. Comes just nine days before a federal judge appointed by Clinton. Emmett Sullivan, real head case, decided at the urging of the ACLU that the continuation of Title 42 was illegal. Emmett Sullivan sure lives in a very comfortable home, been on the government dole most of his life, in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., perhaps perhaps in D.C. Emmett Sullivan would never move down to McAllen, Texas, or El Paso, Texas, where he can enjoy the, the fruits of his rulings. And so the Democrat Party, whether they are represented on the bench, in the Oval Office, in Congress... They do not believe in replacement theory. No, 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 no. When Chuck Schumer specifically said that we're not having enough births here in America, so we need to replace the workforce with immigrants. He didn't mean replace. He meant replace. Yes. They have great respect. And so that's why in many of our cities in Boston, New York, L.A., some of the others, they want 16-year-olds to vote. They want people to vote without, without voter IDs. Because if you don't allow 16-year-olds to vote, obviously you're against puberty, Mr. Bidoof. And if you don't allow people to vote without identification, well, clearly then you're a racist. I can't think of a single example where an individual can't get a voter ID, an ID card. Can you, Mr. Medusa? Not one. I can't think of any. If you're going to have a driver's license, and even people who can't drive, maybe they're too old, maybe they just don't want to drive, whatever the situation is, well, maybe they can't see. They still need an identification in the state. People who get some form of welfare benefits, people who get Social Security or Medicare, Medicaid, all these programs are based on the assumption that you have to identify yourself. So why shouldn't it apply to voting? We know why. Because the Democrat Party is corrupt. They want people to vote twice. They want illegal aliens to vote. They want prebubescent 12-year-olds to vote. They have no problem with this. Because voting is the issue for them. Not representative government. The bigger the mob, the better the mob. That's all. And then overwhelm the system. Gee, I wonder who wrote about that. Cloward and Pivens. Overwhelm it. And then bring your cases to Democrat judges or even some rhino judges. You don't have evidence of fraud. How are you supposed to get evidence of fraud when fraud has been legalized? We have the cleanest elections in history with the least amount of oversight. Isn't that amazing? How's that possible? Well, clearly it's not. But Bill Barr said there wasn't any evidence of anything. Well, he would know. Actually, he wouldn't for reasons I've explained so many times before. 
Don't you sometimes wonder how they get a Merrick Garland and an Eric Holder? And we get a Bill Barr? It's nothing personal with me. I'm just making an observation. Biden doesn't even have to tell Merrick Garland what the politics are. Merrick Garland knows. He knows what to do. His deputy attorney general knows what to do. The assistant attorneys general, the associate attorney general, the U.S. attorneys, they all know what to do. And they do it. But not us, you know. Not us. Biden's EPA prepares to crack down on home appliances. You know, those damn home appliances are really out of control, Mr. Producer, don't you think? The way they assault people and all the sort of things they're doing. They're going to crack down on home appliances. Crack down on home appliances. The EPA uh, proposed new rules on Friday that would restrict the use of refrigerators, air conditioning equipment, and heat pumps that utilize hydrofluorocarbons. They've been after these hydrofluorocarbons endlessly. And I can't tell you how many times the industry has remade these machines and applied different chemicals, and the prices are going up and up and up and up. How do I know? Because I have an HVAC guy. He's a great guy. His name's Gary. And we've talked about this. And we knew prior to Biden assuming office that they were going to pull stuff like this. The EPA's proposed rule would crack down on the manufacturing and importing of goods containing HFCs. So in other words, your air conditioning units. Which would restrict the use of HFCs in refrigeration units, air conditioning systems, heat pump equipment, starting in 2025. You see, Biden will be, in my view, long gone. But according to an agency press release, in accordance with the Kigali Amendment to the Montreal Protocol... Oh, we all remember that. A global climate treaty that the Senate ratified in September. Did you even know they ratified that, Mr. Bidus? I was utterly unaware of this. I want to thank the media for their reportage. The agency intends to reduce the production and consumption of HFCs by 85% by 2036. And what are they going to replace it with? They have no idea. Poof. Modern air conditioning, modern refrigeration, modern heating systems, poof, disappear. We're the only society on earth that is going backwards, regressing. We're destroying technology. We're destroying intelligence. We're destroying enterprise. It's a real throwback. We're, we're being led by Neanderthals here. I'll be right back. America's tyranny hunter. Call in now, 877-381-3811. You know, during the breaks, as you know, I think about the prior set. I've been thinking about the beginning of the show a lot. And what is it really about McConnell that sets me off? Everything I've said, of course, but there's got to be something more. And I'll tell you what it is. In addition to what I've already said. 
We need leaders. We don't need mealy mouths. We don't need halfway patriots. We need smart, effective leaders who can communicate, who can persuade. Not who use the system to raise money and cherry pick what candidates they want or get in front of a microphone and mumble on or are the old school who come up with these omnibus bills which we don't have any idea what's in them and just keep spending our children into bankruptcy. We need leaders. And when it comes to people in Congress right now, there are damn few of them. When it comes to the U.S. Senate, in every single leadership position in the Senate, there are none. Because McConnell's made sure Thune is not a leader. Barrasso is not a leader. Cornyn is not a leader. They're not leaders. They're vote counters, they're money raisers, they're media whores, but they're not leaders. And the leaders, the potential leaders, are being smothered by this current group that calls themselves leaders. That's what's bothering me. Fundamentally, that's what's bothering me. Half the country, maybe more, maybe less, rejects what's taking place. And we do not have representatives in the leadership position of the U.S. Senate who represent us. They despise us. Another press conference so-called by McConnell demonstrates it yet again. Trashing the Tea Party. Trashing MAGA. Trashing conservatives. Used to trash crews by, with leaks in the media. This is the problem. We don't have leaders. We don't have the kinds of statesmen that we need in real leadership positions in the United States Senate. And the United States Senate is a very powerful body. That's what's bothering us. That's what's bothering and frustrating me. And then you have you have editorial boards and editorial pages, whether it's the Wall Street Journal or the New York Post or National Review and others, who go along with this. Who think that to be daring, to be principled, to be advocates, is to lose. Without taking into consideration the opposite. Not only how poor the opposite does at the ballot box. You don't see people rising up and motivated to elect rhinos. Or people want to meet on the 40-yard line. Or people have no agenda whatsoever and yet want to lead the Senate. None. That's what we're missing. And McConnell conducts himself like a mobster. Like a mob boss. I don't mean in his personal dealings. I mean politically. 
the way he raises money, the way he distributes money, the way his surrogates leak on his behalf or spin on his behalf, and you don't even know they're his surrogates, but they are. McConnell never leaves his fingerprints or his DNA on anything. And we're sick of it. We despise the other side. They're trying to destroy us and our country. And yet they have leaders. They have leaders in the Senate. Who we find contemptible. But we don't. Or we do, but they're not able to actually do anything. And if they dare to speak out, they drag in the Wall Street Journal, National Review, and the others, and they start trashing these people. They don't really want to govern. You know, all the usual stuff. We're in the minority. Get 80% of what you can, and blah, blah. Excuse me. This is what I meant when I went back to the Civil War, went back to the Missouri Compromise. Is 80% of slavery okay? Is 80% of segregation okay? Is 80% of life okay? Is 80% of patriotism okay? Is 80% of the Constitution okay? Is 80% of securing the border okay? No. Is 80% of the Soviet Union okay? Sometimes we have to win and they have to lose. And it seems like, I think, in the case of somebody like a McConnell, he is more driven, more motivated to destroy elements within his own party who might challenge his position than to advance the cause of the country. I think this is what I find particularly loathsome about the guy and the failure of the press even the conservative press to confront him and challenge him and the failure to notice that he resists and ducks conservative media more than Biden ducks the media period as I said earlier in the program he doesn't go on Tucker he doesn't go on Hannity he doesn't go on Ingram he doesn't go on my show He's not going to. And he's not going to do it. He'd rather have an interview with the New York Times or the Washington Post or his favorite Politico or what have you. Anyway, I've done enough talking. Let's, let's take some calls here. Nick, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, my hometown, the great WPHT. Go right ahead, Nick. Hey, Mark, how are you doing tonight? Um, I'm actually the guy that talked to you a couple weeks ago right before the election. I was the truck driver, so we couldn't get diesel. I want to thank uh, you, yes, first of I all, remember for, you, Nick. I want to thank you for fighting for us. I do. Uh, I have a different topic tonight. <clears throat> um, so Elon Musk. Elon Musk, if you think about it, and I know you, you've said this many times, if you think about some of the great people in American history, Thomas Edison, uh, Benjamin Franklin, uh, Albert Einstein, I know he you know he came here, but he did all, most of his work here. Elon Musk will be regarded in 200 years as one of those people because everything that he has ever done 
most of it, okay, he benefits greatly financially. Nobody will, will question that. But most of what he's done, if you look at his electric cars, if you look at his SpaceX, if you look at everything he's done, buying Twitter at a loss, he has now, you know, basically what he said, freed the bird. Everything he does is to better humanity and to push humanity mm-hmm. forward. Forget where he stands on politics. He's mostly a centrist. He's mm-hmm. not one of us. Okay, I get that. But, you know, you got to give the guy credit. And yet, and yet, and yet, to give him his credit, he's done more for those of us who believe what we believe than most of these Republicans that I've been talking about all night. Oh, of course. I mean, look what he's done here. He's exposed the inner workings of Twitter, which basically is exposing the inner workings of every major news platform in America. They're the same. They're the same. It's the same culture, the same environment, the same ideology. It's a great, great service to us, to the American people who are willing to watch and see what's taking place. Hey, by the way, uh, Philly, how about those Eagles, huh? Uh, they're doing pretty good. They're, uh, what, 12, 13, and now they're doing pretty good. But you uh, do- no, they lost one to, I guess they call themselves the Commanders. Uh, but, yeah, I'd say pretty good. <laughs> they're doing great. Mark, Sorry, America, I know we got all kinds of people rooting for all kinds of teams. I can't keep it quiet anymore. I'm coming out of the closet, Nick. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mark, for what you do for our country, for what you do, for fighting for the little guy. Uh, you give a voice to, especially, you know, and one thing is, when I talked to you last time, it was about my job, and you could have just blown it off uh, with, with the diesel shortage, and you didn't. You actually you broadcasted it almost every night. I want to thank you for what you do for a lot of the little guys out here, the guys that work 9 to 5, that get dirt under their nails, that work, come home yep. exhausted, that nobody cares about. You care about them, Mark, and I would like to, I would like to give you praise for that. You, well, you I want to thank them. you because I grew up with them, and I know that they do the jobs that somebody like me is incapable of doing. That's what you do, Nick. By the way, I look at these 18-wheelers. You, you're driving a... And I watch them make a turn, and I say, how the hell do they do that? I'm, I'm very interested in these things. Or they're backing up into a spot. Going, how the hell did that guy do that? Or I used to watch my house years, 20 years ago being built, and I said, that guy is up on that pole, 30 feet in there. How the hell does he do that? Because some people work more neck up some people still work neck up but they're able to use their hands too i wasn't born that way my father was my father could do anything with his hands and he did yeah he built he built a building you know he did all these things and i was always in awe i'm just i don't know what the hell it is i'm incapable of it so it's a wonder to me it's fantastic to me Nick, God bless you, my friend, and keep in touch. I appreciate it very much. We'll be right back. Lovin. By the way, I want to thank you, folks, and I know it's you. This Sunday on Life, Liberty, and Levin at 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, we were the number one primetime show on cable news, on Fox, on CNN, MSNBC. We beat the other two combined. I'm also a big fan of Trey Gowdy. 
I've become a big fan of Trey Gowdy and Steve Hilton. Trey Gowdy is my lead-in. Steve Hilton is the show after mine. I think it's a very strong lineup, quite frankly. And we do crush the other cable channels. Um, So I wanted to make you aware of that. And I wanted to thank you. I know you can do other things on Sunday. That's why I ask you to please... Please DVR the program. I know Sunday Night Football starts at 8.15 p.m. right in the teeth of my show. And yet, thanks to you, we still are number one. On Sunday night, on prime time. And I know there are specials that go against. But we are still there. And we work very hard to try and make the show a substantive compelling and entertaining is positive and you can tell I do the long form interviews I don't interrupt the guests I don't have a conga line of guests just makes me dizzy and I don't think we learn a hell of a lot but the questions I ask I ask for a reason the guests I have I have for a reason and the guests we're going to have Sunday exclusively on the weekend so the other hosts might want to remember that exclusively on the weekend will be Victor Davis Hanson and Molly Hemingway because there's certain subjects I want to get into and they are they are terrific so we come up with new guests we come up with individuals who you're quite familiar with but haven't been on the program for three four five months and we give them an opportunity to speak they're not on a panel they're not in a hurry And I want them to take the time to speak. Because you hear me three hours a day, five days a week. I want to thank you for listening to the program. We will be back tomorrow. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our trucker friends, and all the people out there who want to live free all over the world. We, We stand with you. And I will see you tomorrow. Have a great evening. God bless.